0: What's going on, everybody? It's another episode of Cannabis Legalization News. We have big federal news this week. The Prepare Act has been filed bicamerally. Trump uh, suggested that weed causes something. Uh, there's been a firearms ban for cannabis uni- users that's been ruled unconstitutional again by another court. Uh, there's a, a progressive push for Biden doing his re-evaluation um, at the administrative level quicker. And Cory Booker said that cannabis is a dangerous drug so let's get into cannabis legalization news for this week what's happening everybody and thank you josh for joining us um really appreciate it stepping in miggy's had a death in the family so uh lots of heartfelt uh, thanks and thoughts out to miggy and if you guys have them in your thoughts please drop a comment and uh you know give us a like yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, it was something else, but uh, we do have some big federal news that came out this week. Let me try to get that sucker up. There it goes. The House Democrat and Republicans have filed a bicameral, or, you know, bipartisan bill to prepare the government for legalizing cannabis. That was broke out of the marijuana moment. They filed it on Thursday. That was Representative Dave Joyce out of Ohio and House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries out of New York. They've introduced the PREPARE regulators effectively for post-prohibition adult use regulation. I'm sorry, Adult Use Regulated Environment Act, a.k.a. the PREPARE Act. And that was filed on Thursday. What do you think about uh, another bill using an acronym to uh, <laughs> to spell out what it's doing?
1: That's all we need is one one more acronym. Uh, yeah. Government loves that, though. The Prepare
0: Act. Uh, it is kind of hilarious. That's how they call it, though. But uh, not a bad bill. Um, they're going to. It, it would direct uh, the administration uh, to look at how they regulate alcohol and create recommendations for how they can uh, do the same. So it creates the attorney, it tells the attorney general to create a commission charged with making recommendations for a regulatory system for cannabis that models what's currently in place for alcohol. It almost seems like um, not necessarily legalization light, but uh, legalization how, you know, like they're they're creating a bill for how do we legalize this At the administrative level, because the administration and the the regulatory agencies are what really do all the real work.
1: Yeah, I'll be surprised if they actually go through with it, though. It almost seems easier for them to to just kick it down the road to the states and allow the states to do it. If they just Mm -hmm. decriminalize it, it would be way easier. And then they don't have to figure any of that out. And they still look like the good guys.
0: Well, I think they want to eventually figure it out, but they also don't want to be blamed for it. So they want somebody else to tell them how to do their jobs and then they'll vote for it.
1: <laughs> Good point.
0: Right. Well, it, it kind of just strikes me as that, you know, they, it, they go on and they, they mention about it. And so uh, with nearly every state adopting its own set of cannabis reforms and end of federal cannabis prohibition, it's inevitable. They're, they're online saying and on the record saying, but they want lawmakers to have, um, a path forward for the regulations. And so they kind of want the administration to tell them
1: what they need to do. Yeah, that's, the, the, that's why I've always said that we need like an SRO, a self-governing organization. Um, just, you know, the, the banking industry has that because can the feds don't know what to do right and so they're gonna look to, to somebody and there will be that that self-regulatory organization or sro that fills that void um because this inevitably won't go well if we leave it up to the feds to do it and if we leave it up to lobbyists then all we'll get is the interest of big msos so eventually, oh, that's, that's
0: all like, we already have i mean like it is all in the interest of the big msos and so that like. Except that is a good story that we have later in the broadcast out of New Jersey. Somebody got dropped from their license. That was pretty cool. We don't uh, have or, MSOs
1: in Washington. In so it's, it's feasible to write a bill where you uh, can kick them out, whatever, but it's not. But a-
0: how do, why don't you have MSOs in Washington? So I don't think it's really feasible to be able to write that bill. I think one state might be able to get away with it. But when you have interstate commerce, I think it becomes yeah. very difficult. You know? Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. That, then it's all over, yeah
0: but then does Washington state require, uh, inside investment? Is that how they do it? Or like only Washington state residents may own, uh, a cannabis license in the state.
1: Yeah. The MSOs want more than 10% and that's the cap. So that's how to keep them out.
0: Keeping them out 10% cap. Uh, and so have they filed lawsuits that said this violates the dormant commerce clause, trying to get their, uh,
1: licenses that way. No, because none of them want to get in because it's not vertically integrated. And since retailers are separated from the producer and the processor, nobody really wants in. This is uh, an incredibly flooded state. So when they're leaving New Jersey, leaving California, the last place you want to go is in a competitive marketplace like Washington that has 1,700 SKUs and a store. There's more stores, uh, more rec shops than Starbucks in areas. So no, nah, no one's banging down the door to get in here.
0: Yeah. And that's interesting because that sounds like how they're setting it up in New York. I'm sorry, New York. Uh, You can't be vertically integrated. And so the big MSOs are all vertically integrated entities. Maybe that would be keeping them out that way simply because they don't want to get in. And It's like, what do you mean? We have to divest ourselves of all of our cultivation. We have to divest ourselves
1: of all of our retail. No way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's also not good, though, because there's all these people running around thinking that they're Um, free of what's going to happen when that dormant commerce clause or legalization or cross-border transportation, whatever it is that allows for the massive amount of uh, competition that's going to come in will destroy a lot of egos and businesses along the way because they just don't even know. They think they have like the fire and all (laughs) you go to these competitions and really it's just a lot of trash. Over 95% of it is trash and that won't, that realization of that fact won't come to fruition until there's cross-border um, competitions and competi- yeah, yeah, competitive yeah. Uh, marketplaces. Right now you have this uh, this false realization that, that you can just kind of compete and keep going. But there will be... Um, the people don't even grow uh, Blue Dream anymore because it's not um, a high enough yield and it grows too long. So they're just serving this crap that uh, these strains and cultivars that they think um, are easy to sell and are going to generate revenue. They are not really looking for the public. So uh, got to change the, the well,
0: What do you think? Uh, but then, you know, all, they don't grow, grow, grow blue dream anymore. So are they genetically modifying cannabis? Is that a thing? All this stuff? Is that, is that becoming genetically modified? Because our next story, features uh, genetically modified cannabis i thought it was just all crosses and strains that have been you know hybridized and they've mostly been created in california
1: mm-hmm. yeah i mean, that's that's an interesting question like is is crossing strains making it genetically modified and probably not but no. um there are plenty of labs that are that are adding their own you know twist to that so <laughs> it's inevitable well, this is,
0: this is also out of the Marijuana Moment that came out on April 14th. Uh, Trump suggests, and he didn't really suggest it, he stated, that genetically engineered marijuana may be causing mass shootings. And I'm like, wait, I don't know of any cannabis that's genetically modified in there. But he's speaking at an NRA rally earlier this week, and he listed a number of controversial and unproven factors uh, that he said we, he would direct the Food and Drug Administration to investigate Uh, as possibly causing the ongoing scourge of mass shootings in the country. This is at an NRA event, trying to stop the mass shooters. They actually have it uh, loaded up right here. I don't know if we'll get a uh, copyright ding from the NRA, but the Marijuana Moment loaded it up. So if we click it, it'll just start on it. And you can't really hear it, but uh, in his diatribe that he's going on right now, uh, he, of course, blamed it on a mental health problem. But he had, did they actually give the quote? Let's see if they gave the actual quote because I, you guys can't hear it as it's being played through something else. Now, there it is. Here's the actual quote. We have to look at whether common psychiatric drugs, and I don't sound like Trump at all, as well as genetically engineered cannabis and other narcotics are causing psychiatric, psychotic breaks that lead to gun violence. Ridiculous.
1: Hmm. Is he talking about like D8 when he says synthetic cannabis?
0: Well, he's calling it genetically engineered cannabis. And okay. he, it looked like he was reading directly from the teleprompter, uh, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, he's at a, he's at a scripted event for the NRA. <laughs> and if that's part of the script they're putting in there is cannabis is now genetically modified and causing gun crimes, which is just shocking and, and lying and just terrible that
1: people would blame that but there it is you know how old is that script writer that that person who wrote that script has to be like 110 years old has to be 110 years old i mean like nobody nobody believes that anymore no and i can't believe he actually read that like no no your no your audience bro like nobody uh, in the united states like believes that except the one person who wrote that and and the the 10 backers that they have that's ludicrous um not to say that 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 he's um, that any bureaucrat has great things to say, but when you get up to the mic and you start spewing complete bullshit, um, that's just ridiculous.
0: Yeah, and it really was just complete BS. But he's reading it into a teleprompter, and the people know that it's going to get the response from the audience that they want. Right. Which means that that audience is willing to blame the cannabis plant for something instead of blaming. thing that they're there to support, (laughs) guns. Uh, It's not all crazy news. Uh, Some news, especially for uh, cannabis users who happen to believe in the Second Amendment and own guns, that was some good news this week. This has been a split in, well now it's a split because like before it was just you couldn't own firearms and be a cannabis user. You had to check a box when you were legally buying a uh, firearm, and that has recently changed. So, what has happened was that now uh, a this was an Oklahoma federal case first, and, and a couple weeks thereafter, and this is on, from the Gadjunpreneur on April 11th. Another federal court rules unconstitutional uh, it, the ban of medical cannabis users for uh, well, or all cannabis users for owning a firearm. And this was a federal judge in the U.S. District of Court for the Western District of Texas. And they found the federal ban on cannabis consumers possessing firearms to be unconstitutional.
1: Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah, charges
0: good. got dropped too, which is great. So, yeah. El Paso resident, Paola Connolly, and they were charged with possessing and transmitting a firearm in 2021 while being an admitted
1: cannabis user. Yeah. My uh, massage therapist, um, her husband, quit using cannabis because he felt it was unsafe around his guns and yet his gun cabinet is right next to his extensive liquor cabinet and it's like makes absolutely no sense um the legality is the only only x factor
0: the legality is the only x factor i mean the the impairment the substantive aspect of it like factually which the impairment the one that's worse for your health that's not real. It's just what the law says. And so the law says, well, if I'm caught with all this weed and guns, I can lose my guns. And that's crime, you know. Uh, so,
1: yeah. yeah I mean, he, he was drinking the Kool-Aid, too, because he's like, oh, yeah, that's that sounds about right. I better get rid of all my weed because uh, it's it's going to be impairing or whatever. You know, <laughs> meanwhile, the guy gets absolutely hammered on the weekends and, and alcohol is way worse than 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 cannabis alcohol is going to make you make mad bad decisions uh and i don't think you could ever blame smoking or consuming cannabis and um being stupid with the firearm it's just ludicrous
0: right and uh, the court uh, judge kathleen cardone she disputed the Justice Department's arguments that firearm ban led to the historical precedents of denying guns to intoxicated and unvirtuous citizens. Hmm. Uh, the historical tradition of disarming unlawful individuals appears to be mainly involved in disarming those convicted of serious crimes after they've been afforded criminal process. So she did not buy the whole argument of uh, it was an intoxicant or an unvirtuous citizen as opposed to uh, you're not allowed to disarm citizens. Unless they've been convicted of serious crimes after their due process rights,
1: mm. yeah, silly,
0: it's it's something, but um, it's good news in that respect. Uh, they uh, and I think this is going to continue. I, it's now in two federal. Uh, courts. I think it's going to continue to be in other federal courts. These cases will be cited. This is similar to the dormant Commerce Clause uh, theory of cases that has sprung out over in the industry for the past few years. And now whenever a state in Washington state perhaps has some liability for it because they tend to
1: self-deal a lot of their licenses and their ownership, but whatever, you know. Yeah. Washington state just passed a law where you can't have um, high magazine counts or certain what they call assault weapons, um so yeah maybe maybe they'll figure it out eventually and, and overturn because i think if you have a, an mmj card that's the only thing that allows you to grow at home otherwise it's a felony and then so if you're if you have an mmj card you still can't have a gun in washington so they still have to figure that out
0: Yeah, and I could see that uh, getting challenged now because of these cases that are coming out of Texas and Oklahoma. And with that, we can move into some more federal cannabis legalization news. Uh, This one is also out of Congress, by the way. Uh, And it says Congress is constitutional. I'm sorry, congressional progressive caucus urges Biden to expedite marijuana scheduling review and push for federal guidance. Again, looking for what are we supposed to do? All of our constituents want us to legalize this. Help us. We're just elected officials. We don't know what we're doing. We're just, <laughs> we're, 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 we're likable. You know, we're the most votable person on the ballot. And that is the Congressional Progressive Caucus. And they're calling on President Joe Biden to direct federal agencies to expedite an active marijuana scheduling review and reinstate guidance uh, to state Cannabis Programs from Federal Interference, a.k.a. this is a you know, tapping and re, uh, reminiscent of the COLD memo from 2009. Um, something like that is going to be coming back out. And that's probably one of the, one of the things that uh, Biden's review is going to result in is a new um, Ogden or, or COLD style memo, which were repealed in the Trump administration, despite that administration not really taking any action to do anything after they said that it no
1: longer applied mm-hmm. yeah I think Trump was just systematically trying to remove um, Obama and anything Obama signed trying to remove him from history that's what it seemed like to me he was whether it was a good or bad he literally just went in systematically trying to remove everything from 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 history so yeah if, if they bring it back great I don't think it matters though Like I really don't I, maybe for like a new states who are you know worried about it but like everyone else man is business as usual that letter means nothing to us like washington state like if the feds try to come in washington state there's no way that people are going to comply with whatever the feds want to do like we're we need that tax revenue like people aren't going to just bow down it oh, all
0: the congressional reps in your state too and the senators they would raise hell and and Nobody's really trying to poke the bear too much when it comes to legalization because, first off, they don't know what they're doing. And so they're trying to have these bills like the PREPARE Act or, or this Congressional um, Progressive Caucus requesting guidance from the administration. So they want to pass a law that puts it on the administration's back to say, how are we supposed to regulate this and change the priorities of the administration to, you know, uh, allow for legal sales, which is really silly. I mean, um, that's why Congress is there. To make these types of rules and policies, hmm. they really are. You know, so like that they aren't doing their job, and they're asking for another branch of the government to do their job. It's a little annoying, and I think that's what the more than the hundred members of the uh, Congressional Progressive Caucus Congress have said. You know, in their request, they want Biden to direct the HHS and DOJ to expedite the review so that they can understand the timeline for any possible rescheduling or descheduling. But they have not given us anything i mean this was his executive action not that long ago i guess maybe five months ago which is a blink of an eye in regulatory time you know mm-hmm.
1: yeah it's amazing how fast i mean how how long it takes things to get done um you would think it, it you could just overturn things but there's only so many sessions only so many bills only so much time they're willing to work
0: mm-hmm. it's
1: all accurate all of these are, are very, very
0: accurate. And uh, with that, we note that it is 20 past the hour. And so that, of course, means that it is 420 somewhere, especially if you are on the East Coast. And so um, I'd say smoke if you got them. Oh, man, I don't, I don't see a lighter. What a bummer that is. All right. We'll be back in about 11 seconds. I found that lighter, by the way. It's amazing. Good news, everybody. If you found your lighters, hit that thumbs up. We will not grow. Unfortunately, one of the problems with our channel is that it is not about what the stuff that we're doing over at the Collateral Base is about. The Collateral Base is a more uh, varnished and uh, washed down version of Cannabis Industry Lawyer in the sense that I might actually be able to advertise for that. Uh, cannabisindustrylawyer.com, where you guys can go and find all sorts of information about getting into the industry. You can't really advertise that. And I don't think we're going to be able to in the future either, even past legalization because of what they call shaft restrictions. Uh, and uh, this happens to our company from time to time. Like a, a credit card processor might be like, no, you're not allowed to use that. Or um, if you're sending SMS or emails, they'll say, I'm sorry. You fall into these classifications and shaft stands for sex, hate, alcohol, firearms, tobacco. And uh, I think after legalization, it'll be shaft with S-C-H-A-F-T. So, you know, sex, cannabis, um, hate, alcohol, tobacco or firearms. And so alcohol, tobacco and fires, they're all legal, but they can't really advertise or or populate or grow uh, communities on, on the Internet as easily as if we were talking about, I don't know. Uh, A.I. algorithmic trading, for example.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, we still get banned for trying to advertise on Facebook and Google and they and we keep submitting to try to get them overturned. Like what what's wrong with A.I. trading? Everyone else is is promoting it. What's wrong with us trying to promote it at Toro Alerts? And they're like and they won't give us any answer. So it's just funny that um, no matter what you're trying to do, there's <laughs> always some kind of of a learning curve, I guess.
0: There is. And like, for whatever reason, you're violating a policy. You don't know you're, you're not trying to violate the policy. You just are. And you're like, well, I'm <laughs> sorry about that. I mean, like, give me a chance. Thank you for telling me that I was breaking the rules that I was not under uh, any impression we had. Uh, but, you know, it's, it, it is hard to, to start and run a business like that. I think this is one of the reasons why trade shows. Uh, is a big aspect of the cannabis industry for marketing and for getting new clients and for getting uh, startups into the space. Uh, we're going to be doing some Canacons in Albuquerque in a month. So stay tuned for those. Um, yeah, it's. You have to tell through. me how
1: that is, man, because CannaCon started in Miggy and mine, my, my backyard here in, oh, really? in Seattle. And they haven't been around since 2019. They've only been hanging out in Oklahoma and then trying to hit up those those new emerging markets that have never heard of them or seen them. Uh, They were pretty synonymous with the pay-to-play system, especially Mm -hmm. on the speaker circuit, where like if you were a sponsor, you definitely were speaking. So you weren't really listening to industry experts. You were listening to friends and sponsors. And um, I I made the decision in 2019 to go up to Vancouver for the Lyft Expo. So I literally left the country rather than going 20 minutes to Canicon.
0: Yeah, and um, most of the trade shows are like that. Yeah, uh, some of them,
1: MJ, MJ Unpacked is really good. Um, I think MJ BizCon has gotten better and they just sold. Um, and then uh, the Benzinga Capital Conference is pretty good. But I think those outside of those three, the rest of them are just and this.
0: They are, and uh, they tend to be better when it's uh, licensing round time. And that's usually about it. That's the X factor. Uh, if you don't have a licensing round going on, they usually don't have that entrepreneurial and in- excitement that's going around with it. And so um, I could see Canacon like Oklahoma, or uh, maybe Detroit or Boston. Boston's getting a little bit full. I mean, you know, it, it's too bad that most states, it's not most states, made half, I'd say half of the states have these limited systems where you have this big round of licensing. There's a lot of excitement and then all gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then other states, they have more of a muted, um, but accessible. And so you there's a way for you to get a license. Maybe in New Jersey, we're about to talk about New Jersey. New Jersey has that. It's limited by the real estate. Uh, Michigan, same thing, limited by the real estate. Um, I think that's how uh, Colorado is, like in California, the dual licensing system, where you can get a license from the state if the community has one available for you. That's that's a different uh, type of market. And I think it creates a better it's more competition. And so because it's more competition, there's, I think, less boof on the shelves. Mm-hmm. When you have limited market states, you're almost propping up the purse. You're, you're preventing uh, competition from coming in and ha- forcing them to step up their game or go out of business. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's easier to keep that, that that's that non fire on the shelves. But then you have states like California or Michigan or even Oklahoma where, where there are so many growers. There's still a lot
1: of crap on the shelves. Yeah. But there's some great stuff on the shelves, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really difficult thing about Washington. I had a, a, this guy I know, Brian. Um, he was at like LA Cannabis Times or something like that. I don't know. Some like California... Um, business he ended up moving up here just had a kid and he's trying to figure out where to go like is it this shop that doesn't have the good stuff is that one a tourist weed shop whatever and i'm like no man there's 95 percent of this stuff here even though we have 1700 brands most of it is trash and you really got to just figure it out i would prefer to either just go to the legacy markets where you know there's still some really good growers or um couple in portland that i really like but washington is it's just not worth it man there's there's people that are, are selling 200 ounces who were working in the construction industry not that long ago and still haven't quite figured out uh how to grow but and they that, got a license yeah man i'm just not i have no patience i'm not gonna wait around for you to figure it out you know there's a lot of trash
0: yeah and there's a lot of talent as well i mean they could have hired a grower yeah. they could have paid a grower his uh percent because they got that talent and you know it's nice but you know getting that that level of talent that's not something you can do in two years maybe 20 if you are actively participating in the in the community and learning about how uh, these cultivation methods work and staying on top of it and like in commercial agriculture uh, weed that's grown commercially should be better than the stuff you make in your basement it should
1: yeah in theory um, I think small batch whiskey. I mean, I don't, I don't drink, but I'm, I, small batch anything has its appeal. And I can tell you right now, man, ten years people have not figured out how to scale cannabis. So stop, mm-hmm. stop pretending, and then just let's go towards you know the the tomato growers. They are the quintessential example of small farmers who cannot scale tomatoes. And yet you still find it in huge stores like Kroger and Walgreens or um, Walmart. Mm -hmm. So let's all kind of band together on a small level because this main scale stuff is perfect for ingredients. Go make your brownies or your distillate, whatever kind of hot hot dog Mm -hmm. water you want to make. We'll make that trash. But the rest of us want something that's worth consuming. At least combusting. Make me something worth combusting and grow some Blue Dream again.
0: Yeah, (laughs) you know who won't be growing Blue Dream in New Jersey? Uh, Cureleaf. Cureleaf weed sales could be halted as NJ's largest operator after a stunning vote by the state regulators. This was reported uh, April 15th. This one's out of Uh, NJ.com. Oh, we should have used. Never mind. We'll, we'll talk about that later. Anyway, the State Cannabis Regulatory Commission declined to renew the annual license for Cureleaf, the largest producer and seller of recreational cannabis in the state. A decision that will likely temporarily stall sales within the state's year old legal market. And uh, I can hear the lawsuit getting
1: ready to be filed right now. I bet you they file a lawsuit just to get the money, but they don't want to be in New Jersey anyways because it's required to be unionized. And just like Starbucks fighting and, and blocking that union and getting busted for it and all the while claiming, oh, no, we didn't know. Um, they know exactly what they're doing. And so, yeah, they'll sue just to get some money, but they have no intention of being in a state that's required to or mandated to have unions. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, They don't know what that means for people who shop or employees who work at Curleaf's dispensaries in uh, three cities, Belmar, Bordentown, and Edgewater Park. Officials at the commission, also known as the CRC, were not immediately reached for comment. Of course, it was a Friday, and they are humble civil servants. Uh, (laughs) Hours after the vote, Curleaf officials released a scathing statement calling the actions unprecedented and an outrageous attack. I'm sorry, outrageous act of political retaliation. That's great. Yep. And they were they, already
1: going to leave, so what are they worried about? I
0: don't know, but they they have a statement, which means in the statements you just put out everything that you are expected to say, uh, and then believe them sincerely behind the <laughs> suit. Uh, yes. Curleaf remains open for business and will continue to work with the CRC board and its staff to ensure renewal of our adult use licenses, including any, including by any legal means necessary, aka the lawsuits. The company said.
1: Yeah, I believe it, Mm hundred percent.
0: Yep. And then they just they I like how they put out the statement that says we're we're committed to working with you, and and then we'll sue you. But um, (laughs) that's that's business. I mean, business is weed and um, press releases and PR. That's a real thing in the industry. Mm -hmm. No doubt. All right. (laughs) Let's see what the the next story on the agenda is. Uh, Oh, this one's good. I really saw this. And I I wasn't sure on this one. I thought it was one of the bigger stories of the week until Trump said that genetically engineered cannabis causes gun violence or or psychosis, which may lead to gun violence. Before we get
1: get into that next story, Tom, the green crack does that to me. I don't know if you've got a particular strain or cultivar, but when I smoke green crack, Mm -hmm. it, it makes me edgy. Like it actually makes me kind of like mad or angry or whatever. Like I'm on edge mm-hmm. and like anything can trigger me and piss me off. So I don't know what's up with that particular cultivar, but maybe that's what Trump's talking about. Maybe he like ripped on some some green crack. He got confused with his his son uh, with Biden's son's product. And then uh, and it was like, yeah, maybe this is the problem with society.
0: Well, you know, Cory Booker also says it's a dangerous drug. A story yes. we'll be covering in a minute, by the way. But this one is uh, how much people uh, seem to be wanting and liking this new industry. Uh, this one's out of MJ Biz. Interesting, this came out the same week that they announced their new uh, cannabis fact book, almost as if they took this fact from their new <laughs> fact book to promote sales of their fact book. By the way, you should be buying MJBiz's fact book. So the <laughs> cannabis industry will add $100 billion to the U.S. economy in 2023, according to... Go figure, the MJ Biz Factbook. Hmm. Yep, that includes uh, fifty. Let's see here. This was 2023, where it breaks the 100 bill, and so that is 33 billion in uh, retail sales, and approximately another 66 billion in additional economic impact. Much of that being uh, the, um, you know, real estate and the salaries and all the other stuff.
1: Well, last year, we already hit one fifth of that amongst the 15 markets in North America that headset tracks. So there's a few Canadian provinces as well as, uh, you know, a few markets, a dozen markets, whatever that headset tracks. And they got over 20 billion last year alone. That's not medical and that's not all of the recreational states. And yet they're already at a fifth of that. So it's a, it's a big step and that's probably hyperbolic to some degree. It's but a it, prediction,
0: it's an estimate of the yeah. total
1: size of the but business. If you it's include, not the supply chain revenue estimate. Yeah, if you include ancillary products like vaporizers and oh then totally. Yeah, yeah. I think with with uh you know lighters and like if you include all that stuff, easily hundred billion this year. Yeah.
0: Right. And that's uh that's what they mentioned, you know, then this press release and it is everything. Plant touching ancillary companies such as lighting suppliers, law firm okay. accounting all sorts of stuff like to,
1: uh, to, to to buy all that fertilizer for these grows is, is stupid. So just, just the inventory alone to keep the industry going is, is easily half that I'm guessing um, for medical and everywhere else. And then home grows and all that. A lot of these home growers are just throwing money uh, away. They're not going to be able to, to break even. So they're, they're making money on that for sure.
0: Cool. All right. I'm just trying to f- there she is uh, before we get into the next story, I wanted to get into uh, something that we do on the podcast at about half past the hour very often. Uh, it's called Name That Strain, and we have a new new game uh, where you can email Miggy the strains that you're legally cultivating over at 420binary at gmail.com, and then we will use those strains for Name That Strain and give you a shout out, and with that, let's play something. All right. And that's it. This one is uh, not the best in the sense that it's not very well uh, zoomed in. And as it is an overlay, I lack any ability to be able to edit the image. Uh, it's it's growing live. And so this is not, this is um, wet plants material, I guess, is how I would describe that. Looks pretty green and small. So this is weed from when you were a kid. Or at least in college like when you'd actually care when was the last time you cared about how much weed you
1: had left josh how long has it been uh about four days hmm i hate going to the store man and we don't have delivery so it's it's kind of annoying to go to the, i i don't know it, it it's stupid to say that but uh outside of that i haven't worried about access to cannabis in a long time bro like yeah probably when i lived in japan um and that's been a minute. Yep, that great yeah. hash though.
0: Japan did? Yeah. Well, I'm sure it wasn't made in Japan. No, I got it from an Israeli guy. Right. It was. It was Middle Eastern. Uh, yes, and that that's about the same for me. I can't remember. But then because we have uh, legal home grow in uh, Illinois for medical patients, it, you just you just it just goes bad. Like you grow it and you're like, uh, oh, that's right. I forgot about that stuff. <laughs> It's, it's fun. It's way better than when I was in college and I'm like, Oh crap. Mm-hmm. I only have a gram left. And, and by that I would have like a third of a gram. I'd have like enough for a bowl and it would be shitty weed.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: <laughs> yep. Anyway. So that is the name of that strain uh, with that. I'm going to just kind of, uh, it's a lemon cush. And so unfortunately the, the overlay isn't all that great. So if you're taking the images, take it after it's been uh, cured, of course, and then uh, do your best photography skills with your phones. Uh, and then use some Canva or something and uh, help us. And then email them on over to, uh, let me let me put up uh,
1: Miggy's email address again. It is, uh, where is it? There I was going to get super silver haze for that one. It looks like a super silver haze, really bright, um, light green, fluffy, airy.
0: Yep. Uh, that kind of, it is a lemon kush. And so those lemon kushes, they don't really have the green, they have the greens, but they don't have the purples. They hold a tight, dense bud structure, more typical of an indica than a sativa, light green leaves, um, you know, trichromes. So it's not the, the purple or any of those types of ones, but it probably have like a very uh, lemon or um, lime scent, which is always nice. I mean, I, I have this one strain called limelight that is now cured and it's fantastic. It didn't yield enough. That's my problem.
1: with it. But um, biggest problem I had with Super Silver Haze was how crazy it grows because it just kept growing like like a, like a mushroom. You know, you, you you wake up and it's another foot and a half, and you got to scrog it again, and then it grows another oh, foot well. and a half. You got to scrog it again, and then eventually I was on my hands and knees in this um, ten by twenty space I was growing with six one thousand watt lights, and I, I'm all, like army crawling because. The, the, the scrog is so big and thick and dense, I ended up taking those 15 plants and just harvesting them early because it was a monster and I never grew that bitch again.
0: Yes, yes, I tell you what. Um, uh, but that's that's one of the nice things about cultivating the plant. You get to have good good time with it. And so, if it is oh, yeah. legal with where you can do it, um, I miss those eighty five exactly. degrees in my
1: basement in the middle of winter. I do. Well, that
0: yeah, I'm sure you don't miss the utility bill that you got with those. 85 no, that's why degrees. I stopped growing
1: three dollars a gram when when oh, prices were plummeting. I was like, I'm out. I got to stop. That was three dollars a gram. Yeah, that was my wholesale. Yeah,
0: cheaper uh in in certain states that uh, of course like it's really expensive for me to go buy uh, an ounce and i haven't quite calculated all my costs i mean some of the stuff once it's sunk you know you can the, the seeds or the clones i mean after you grow the plant once that i could really calculate my water and my electrical i guess and my newts
1: but meh. Yeah, that's what i was doing Get oh. really gritty with it. Well, I'm getting it now for $60 after a 30% off. They have 30% deals on Tuesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. Damn. So I just wait until I'm almost out, whatever, and then go to the store. And for this outdoor, organic, pesticide-free, um, it's going to have natural mold on it, though, because it's outdoors. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it for 60 bucks, man, the value is so much better than the two, three, $400 ounces that inevitably like I, I'm convinced there's an inverse relationship between how good it looks and how harsh it smokes, because all of this stuff just is, is designed and built to look good. And mm-hmm. they could care less how harsh it is. And I've smoked 155 strains for that Northwest leaf cup and realized they are all grossly um, misgrown, uh, inappropriately grown and it's too way too harsh. So there's a lot of trash out there.
0: A lot of trash out there, everybody. Speaking of our next story, uh, it is out of marijuana moment. They're always on the spot. Cory Booker calls marijuana a dangerous drug and says he's frustrated with non-diverse industry. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, that's what
1: he's concerned about. Is not diverse enough.
0: That's his. He con- says it's frustrating to see marijuana legalization shall fall short of <laughs> equity goals, and he says particularly due to ongoing federal prohibition. And that while he's pushing for reform he's characterized cannabis as a dangerous drug that has not been studied enough and this almost looks like they're kind of fabricating this one
1: dude that's some of virtue signaling bs right there how many people has he put in jail for cannabis give me a break
0: yeah well he says well cannabis legalization is something profoundly important to me what is really frustrating (laughs) is that i thought legalizing marijuana would have a uh, democratizing force on our country, and it has not. And he's dissatisfied with the progress of expungements for people with prior cannabis convictions living in the states where the plant is now legal and de- decried that the cannabis uh, industry lacks critical diversity. And he says, in the business side, this is not fair and equal in terms of opportunity, as you would think. And some of that is because we failed to deschedule it. And so if you're a woman who gets a cannabis license, you can't get the capital necessary often to hold that license to start a business or to fund the business. And then he goes on to blame uh, multi-state operators. So I have these MSOs funded by large hedge funds. Yes, yes. And it goes on like that. It's, it's one of those types of articles.
1: It's everybody's fault, but, but the government's fault when they yeah. had control of the Senate and the House and, and the presidency and they could have done everything. No, no. It,
0: large hedge funds or large wealthy individuals, who are not diverse, by the way, uh, who are going around buying up licenses from desperate people in communities where they thought they were going to go help to make sure that the very people who are disproportionately impacted by marijuana provision were now going to get an opportunity to help on the business side. But that has not happened. And he goes, marijuana business in the United States is overwhelmingly non-diverse, white male, while women and minorities make up a tiny fraction, not in any way proportionate to the numbers in America. So this is an issue I have been working
1: on. But let me, let me push back on that narrative, because that's a BS narrative. I've smoked cannabis for over a quarter century, and I can tell you for a fact, it's not directly proportional. Women do not use and smoke cannabis directly proportional to their population as a whole.
0: They are also not arrested. It's 80, oh, okay, like 85% aside, of arrests are male. Aside yeah. from the
1: arrest record, let's talk about consumption and use. When I was at a party in high school or college and there was a stoner chick, there was very rare that there was a stoner chick. For every 10 dudes, you might have a quarter of a female. You know, And that's they explain
0: so- their arrest records.
1: Yeah. There's just not that many that use it. So to, it's a they're asking for a disproportional amount of of women to represent the industry when the facts are they aren't consuming at the rate that men are. So really it's not, they've talked about equality, but it's not equal. If you're pushing that rate far more than who's actually consuming, if you want equal representation, it, it then wouldn't be equal is what I'm trying to say. It's, it's a false narrative. Yeah. And- there needs to be more women. Don't get me wrong. there needs to be more minorities and more women, but to say equal is you've obviously never been to a cannabis party because there's not, the same amount of women as men that use cannabis period. I don't
0: know. Like when they, when they talk about social equity as like allowing somebody to access the license or not access the license. And that really is what it is. I mean, I live in a state it's hundred percent social equity. You can't get a license unless you have that. You're just, you're exploiting the person who has it. You're gaming the system for it and you're not getting at the core problem. <laughs> really, which like, why are the real estate values in those uh, black and brown communities that have been disproportionately impacted by the drug war, like half to like 60 cents on the dollar of what uh, a standard or well, not a standard, you know, like a, a t- the suburbs would be worth, for example. Why is that diminution of value so, so vast? And then uh, why are we publish, uh, funding our schools on that basis? So now you've created a problem. You've done nothing to fix it. You've underfunded it, so you've perpetuated this problem. And then you're going to exploit people who live there by saying you're going to make them rich. Uh, why didn't you use all these tax dollars to go fund those schools so that they could create people that are going to go out and get great jobs and and go to college and and really create wealth? Uh, I don't get it, but um, that's that's really what they've done. And so, like in Illinois right now, it's double social equity. Miggy and I applied because Miggy qualifies under the rules of what they call social equity now. It's like 1% of the population that might qualify. But why does the the industry need to only be able to have a license if you're that person? It doesn't make sense to me.
1: Yeah. And he's able to do that even though he's not in the state. And so this seems like... they It's a dormant
0: commerce clause compliant, but it's like super social equity. So you have to live in a particular area for a long time. Be able to document that and then you also have to have the arrest and be able to document that so it's a, a very insular minority of the general population that can then access the license uh it's it's almost as insular as the the new york population that could access it or i mean like the new york population for growers was so insular you had to have already been a hemp farmer i mean it's like you can't you there's like no path to even get a job in certain states and then in other states like washington state you guys have a limited license yeah. Uh, in Illinois, same thing. But in New Jersey, where you know, Cory Booker is a senator, uh, real estate is the limiting factor. And so, yes, suddenly it becomes a practical problem where you're trying to give these licenses to people that you say have been marginalized and that are impoverished. Uh, but there's only so many pieces of real estate. Those, the prices of those pieces of real estate jump as soon as they figure out that they're there. And then uh, you have the person that you've given the license to, their credit's not particularly good. And so they've never done, they, they've never managed a cap table. They've never calculated uh, the value of their shares ever. You know, they've never had shares. And, and so you've thrown them to this uh, corporate world wholly inadequately and prepared for it.
1: Mm-hmm. And then you're surprised that they're being exploited. Right. Yeah. So are they stacking other opportunities for um, selecting individuals? Because Miggy was also a uh, military vet.
0: That one doesn't come into play in, in our state, but then it, it depends. And so like disabled veteran status, for example, in New Jersey, that would be a priority too. And so you would you would be able to fly through the applicationing process at the state level uh, within matters of months. Then you would hit the problem, which really becomes the capital uh, raising and understanding how to do that in a sophisticated way to attract those investors, which is very difficult. But then also to find the real estate and have the community on... Uh, community's blessing on it and so like you can find the real estate and, like i love this, this is it great and it's like oh you, you're gonna have to kiss several rings to be able to open it there because this area is run by these people and and they have to say yes to you, you know yeah
1: yes it's a tough one, and then, and then you got to just sue because you don't—you're not going to get it, and so you're just going to have to sue them to get it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the, the the well, okay. Now, th- talk about the lack of access to justice there, and so now the only people that can actually access these licenses—they have to be able to throw hundreds of thousands of dollars at lawyers to fight for it. Yeah, who, who do you think's going to be left standing after you have all these requirements to get open? The lawyers. Uh, yeah. The, the the people that have created a hedge fund and put a million billion dollars into it to hire those lawyers and everybody else, you know? Yeah. Let's see here. We're at uh, 40. I'm going to say that was 40 when we did New Jersey. Uh, our next story, and we do have one, by the way, uh, not not just that Cory Booker said that cannabis is a dangerous drug. Uh, we have the best city for cannabis in the United States. That one's so great. We should actually have a small little bumper for that. Let's do uh, this one is shit. I wasn't expecting this. Gondrepreneur ah, has named Portland as uh, America's best city for cannabis. That is out of Gondrepreneur magazine on April 13th, a recent Survey found that Portland is ranked the best city for U.S. cannabis shoppers due to its high number of dispensaries per capita, affordable prices, and selection of products. Hmm.
1: Interesting. Yes, yeah, only three hours away from uh, where Miggy and I live, um, and it's the only place in the country, I believe, where you can still open a jar and smell it and Ooh, see it. And so I, that's really interesting.
0: They, deli style in certain michigan provisioning centers which then became adult use operators i believe are allowed to do that still mm. which is nice that they have deli style there's maybe also some deli style in oklahoma their medical market is fairly uh, loosely regulated mm. you can't do it in illinois can't do it in new jersey can't do it in missouri um yeah it, the, the general rule if it's new and it's regulated is you can't do it and i think it's terrible it does a disservice to the plant because you know strawberries, just like cannabis, are not consumer packaged goods. The mm-hmm. the vape pen, sure. The the brownies, fine. But um, the actual plant
1: itself, that's a plant. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, Portland's got a bunch down there, just like Oklahoma. There's a ton of people, um, half of what Oklahoma has, but I think Oregon still has over thirty five hundred licenses. So it's they have a ton of trash down there. Lots of things popping for pesticides and bad things but you still have a lot of really good growers like the best grower i know of in Mm -hmm. in all of north america consistently growing is tj's organics the funkiest strains the best consistent stuff comes out of tj's out of portland than anywhere else in north america out of a store
0: Hmm. well they also gave a ranking uh the 10 best cities for cannabis in the united states and the 10 worst Some of these are surprises, and some of these are like no brainers. Uh, Here's some of the surprises Buffalo, New York made the top 10. Did not know that. Uh, They they just recently became legal. Same with Baltimore, Maryland. I'm not sure if, if I know Maryland's legal. But I don't know if it's become effective. I know like their licensing is coming out. Is this about the
1: experience? Like top ten for experience, or maybe the top ten for best strains? I can tell you from an experience standpoint, Seattle is way up there because you know it's it's overwhelming with how many products we have. But the end product is not great. And Las Vegas has some of the worst cannabis out there on the planet. Mm -hmm. Uh, But maybe what some of the best experience with with uh, some of the stores down there.
0: How did they rank it? There's a survey, uh, best use and ranked for the worst, due in part by the affordable cannabis prices in the city. So that's one of it. And then I'm assuming that because they are using cities that have recently become legal if are still in the process of it, like Baltimore, for example, and Buffalo, New York, which you know I don't know if there's any legal, quote-unquote, legal dispensaries in Buffalo, New York, might legal. <laughs> But then here are the five worst, and this very few surprises. Birmingham, Alabama. <laughs> you never want to say you were caught with a joint in Birmingham, Alabama. Mm. Uh, Memphis, Tennessee. Louisville, Kentucky. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I've been there. Mm. Also did not want to get caught with a joint there. Indianapolis, sorry. Wisconsin. I'm sorry. Indianapolis, uh, Indiana. Not a bad, not, eh, it's a bad place if you like weed. Mm. Nashville, Charlotte, Houston, Atlanta, and
1: San Antonio. I would think with Milwaukee, that's, isn't that a college town in the middle of nowhere? I mean, maybe they're just big drinkers. It's not in the
0: middle people. of nowhere. It's, it's literally Wisconsin's largest city by population.
1: That doesn't mean anything to me. Wisconsin, it, like I've never been there. And so uh, it seems it's
0: 400,000
1: like, people. Yeah, that's nothing. That's yeah. It's not that large, but it's, it's the largest city in Wisconsin. Yeah. Relative, relative to, yeah. It's like saying Taos, New Mexico is like something big worth going to spoiler it's not
0: okay thank you for tuning in everybody we now <laughs> can save you from going to which place in
1: new mexico was that South, yeah, the whole state of new mexico like it when it's buried in new mexico. mexico in may hey look it's, it's it's pretty to look at but there's no reason to go there sorry
0: they have one of the most open industries right now it's uh if you're trying to get in the industry okla oklahoma, not oklahoma uh new mexico is one of the best uh, new markets Ooh, because you can get too. a license
1: who are they going to sell it to? There's uh, nobody you go
0: there. to Las Cruces and then you sell it to people from Texas.
1: Oh, good call.
0: Yeah. Yep. I guess. I don't know about this one. This one's uh, a little nuts. I saw this one going around. I have not read it. This is, this is where I wish that Miggy was here to be able to knock this one out. <laughs> Team Vogue. That's right. We're bringing you hard-hitting stories like Team Vogue. Vogue. Uh, Their parents were incarcerated for marijuana. Here's how they feel about legalization. There you go. Hmm. Winslow, Canada says her infant son has the same uh, wide infectious smile as her father. He got so goofy. I'm going to to start with personalizing it. And and then the thing is her father was taken away because he was incarcerated and given a life
1: sentence for delivering
0: $20 worth of marijuana.
1: That's crazy. I don't know if you've seen the um, Netflix documentary about um, it's called uh, white boy. It's about white boy, Rick. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Is that what the name is? I've
0: heard that name before, but I've never looked into it.
1: It's crazy. So as a teenager, he was asked by the CIA to be an informant and to the cocaine cartels of um, Detroit, I believe. And so he was being used by this the Detroit mayor who was on Beverly Hills Cop. He was that actor. Um, that was a real dude. And he was corrupt, uh, just like all of them. And this dude did, uh, white boy Rick did like 30 something years and he's got two kids that he wasn't ever able to see at all. Like he he was in um, crazy solitary and all of it was because he they didn't want him out to talk about how the CIA basically used him and then just abandoned him um, and then he got caught and then basically threw him in prison for the rest of his life. So I mean it, it obviously affects a lot of people whether your parents went in there or Uh, for whatever reason the kids went in there it's it's um it's insane uh to 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 lock somebody up and then not be rehabilitated i just had a two-hour conversation about people coming in and out of prison and the lack of rehabilitation is insane it's a publicly traded prison system that's basically modern slavery where the shares of these uh prisons are traded based on the heads of the individuals that are incarcerated and it's a guaranteed 100% for the facilities. So regardless of how many people are in prison, they get paid no matter what, incentivizing the police force to fill those prisons because they have to pay for it no matter what. It is a very, very disgusting corrupt system that has nothing to do with rehabilitating individuals, which is why we we need to look at all of it and go more towards mental health because there's a couple of reasons. Lack of opportunities, uh, addiction levels, and uh, mental health. And if we can solve all those by giving people more opportunities to work and giving them free health care, free mental health care, free addiction health care, then there's no reason to have prisons out there. And yet what we're going to end up doing is uh, offering Oxycontin to 11 year olds who have um, problems they don't need synthetic heroin for just to get them addicted to the real heroin, to put them in jail, to fill those beds up. And that's the problem we don't need to perpetuate. And yet it's already happening.
0: Yeah, when you put a when you put a profit motive behind things and make it illegal, the profit motive doesn't go away. It just becomes a crime. Uh, you're not supposed to have uh, legal things have a, a pecuniary interest in crimes happening. So when you have a private prison, I don't understand the policy objective there, because now you've basically said we always need crime. We're going to have this is much crime and we're mm-hmm. going to beat on earnings next quarter because we're going to have more crime, Right, uh, it, which is not a good policy goal. The policy goal should be the reduction of crime and the harm that it causes to our societies by using uh, rehabilitatory methods, not keeping somebody in a box and making sure they go nuts and then come back and come back and come back on the same bed so that you know, your stock price goes up, but uh, so that their life's better and so that their neighbor's life's better. And so nothing really gets worse. But that's not how we do things like we and then it's uh, the craziest thing. Um, uh, like my girlfriend's dad, you know, he got arrested for just too much weed. Mm-hmm. I, I, and that's not atypical, uh, you know, and so a lot of the people that I will talk to about whether or not they're social equity to get into the Illinois lottery or other Illinois or other lotteries or, or licenses that require social equity. We have to go, well, how much we wait or well, tell me about the conviction. Oh, you weren't convicted. I'm sorry, you don't count.
1: Mm-hmm. Or
0: there's these lines in the sand where you've created somebody who can access this this right, this right to now sell the product. And what was the policy goal there besides gamifying the system and controlling who gets it and making sure that they're weak Uh, and by weak, I don't mean like, you know, physically weak, but I mean like able to be exploited, weak, not well-educated, weak, you know, like that type. And then also um, in over their head, maybe they just because they live there and they were arrested doesn't mean that they understand
1: uh, shrewd business tactics. Right. Yeah. And you go to a place like um, Louisiana in the middle of nowhere and there's people in there who shouldn't be in jail as long as they have been for the crimes, you know, and, um, like white boy Rick or not, the fact that he's been in jail longer than like confessed murders, the third, the guy who committed 30 murders is out of prison and he's in only because of the corruption. And that's kind of what I wanted to highlight, not whether or not we like white boy Rick or not, but the fact that there is political corruption to keep people in prison from speaking the truth happens everywhere from the middle of nowhere in Louisiana all the way to Detroit. You know, it no, doesn't it, really in, matter. And our
0: country is not the worst of it. Like, our country is actually kind of one of the better ones. Maybe some places in Europe are are even better, like Scandinavian countries. You've got to elaborate
1: on that because we have a quarter of the planet's population in prison.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. And so, like, we're, well, in the sense that in theory, you have laws if you can pay to access them. We don't do a very good job of providing uh, access to justice for people uh, accused of crimes. We don't fund the public defender as much as we fund the person the people that are actually filing the lawsuits and and bringing the action and prosecuting it you know the da's office gets a lot more dollars than the public defender's office
1: yeah it's, it's ridiculous you're, you're seeing people withholding information and and it's okay because politically people hate um the the previous president but what's happening in dc and uh, in, in new york is not okay what kamala harris did to make her record look good by withholding information to keep people of cannabis uh, in jail longer is not okay. I don't care what aisle you're on. It's ridiculous to even have that argument. Uh, People should not be in jail and politicians should be held accountable when they cheat, lie and steal. There should, you know, like there's, there's rules when you trade on the stock market, insider trading, it's three X of what you did. Now, when you're in a position, treble damages when, when that, um, chief, uh, there was a, a police officer who was mailing drugs. Now, when she got busted, she should do three times the limit of what everybody else is because she's in a place where she knows better. She's a police officer.
0: Qualified like, immunity. Whatever. Talk about we, that we, for a double we, standard. I want
1: three X the rules for all of these violators. I find it ridiculous and annoying. To say the least.
0: Again, you know, um, lawyers are very expensive. I know firsthand uh, is one. And so uh, as a result, you have made it in a system where nobody wants equal funding for the uh, the defense and the prosecution that would get you accused of being soft on crime and you have to run for election now it it doesn't make sense to me why somebody having access to justice so that they can get a a legitimate defense a competent legal defense especially in trumped up charges uh that is important, and like I can see the public policy goals behind that. But then, if you try to fund it, the political question says, "Well, why are we helping the criminals out?" Yeah, I don't get it. But then the yeah you know, qualified uh, immunity, and so like the person who's doing that from the law enforcement doesn't mind, or. Does it with a little bit more impunity and thinking like they're not going to get caught. A Mm -hmm. And if they are, they'll get qualified immunity, as opposed to the guy who's front running the stock market and manipulating trades, who has to pay treble damages. When you have to pay treble damages, it means three times.
1: Nancy Pelosi's made $100 million while in office. She's been around since Kennedy. um, Kennedy's inauguration. And uh, she says that insider trading is capitalism. But when we do it, she wants to have a congressional hearing on the right. AMC, the, you know, um, AMC issue and, and all of that. So it's, it's when she said when I mean, she got her haircut in California rules for the not for me. Hmm. Yep,
0: that's crazy. And so with that, we're going to turn this cavalcade to international news. Yes, who's slow-walking legalization in Europe? That's right, Germany. They have watered down their plan to legalize after talking with the rest of the European Union. On Wednesday, Germany presented legislation that would allow cannabis possession and private cultivation, but not widespread commercial sale in shops for the time being. Hmm. Yep which this kind of reminds me of Uruguay uh, in the sense that uh, the policy <laughs> goal here is safe access to the product. And now they can have safe access to the product. If you're allowed to cultivate at, for private personal consumption, uh, that takes away the profit motive to a large extent, except for the, the, the local home grower, because people will be like, Oh, do you got some? And then it'll be like, I don't know about that. And then um, uh, other stuff will happen thereafter. But, it allows the supply to start getting in there and then they can figure out how they want to regulate it for making money on it. If they want to regulate making money on it, you know, the, the access, the safe access looks like they're going to continue uh, with that uh, agenda or that, you know, we want to fight the black market, they say. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Yeah, I mean, Germany's uh, Europe's biggest market, uh, biggest economy. So whatever their rules are, the rest of Europe are going to follow and Canada to a certain extent, uh, because there's going to be exports from Canada into um, Germany. So when, when Canada already exported a couple of years ago to Germany, they had to send it back because they um, radiated it. So the U S does that with their foods. They'll throw us through some radiation or whatever, (laughs) radiate
0: it. There's some Reiki and some radiation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. Uh, But in Europe, they're like, we don't, that's not that's not good. So they sent it back. Uh, those rules that, that Germany is kind of creating is going to basically create a lot more demand for that. And so it doesn't really sound like there's going to be a whole lot of good production quality uh, coming from from that area. Nice.
0: Well, <laughs> that's our show for the week, basically. And uh, Josh, I wanted to thank you for filling in for Miggy. We hope that he's back. Next week, when we have a whole new truckload of cannabis legalization news, I, I I am planning on going to Cannacon in Albuquerque in about a month, by the way. So stay tuned for more on that. Uh, Josh, you said you're doing any? Hey,
1: what's? Yeah, I'll be in uh, Las Vegas on the 25th through the 28th. Um, going down there to to visit Paxium. They've got a big old joint rolling machine, so I'll be down there for a few days. You guys are down there. Hit me up. Awesome. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from the Cannabis Connoisseur Podcast. If you're looking for ways to utilize cannabis to keep you healthy, strong, and sharp, come join us every Wednesday where we dive into the best ways to use cannabis to optimize your life. Topics include cannabis and athletics, cannabis for productivity, cannabis for anxiety, cannabis for a healthy immune system, and so much more. If you're a curious connoisseur, this show is for you. So please head over to our page and we're looking forward to seeing you this week. Bye.